And what I now know is that pain is part of life, but suffering is not. It's optional. It's it's yep. it's a choice. And if I can help people have their trauma and alchemize it into what's available as beautiful, then we can release the suffering that the human beings are experiencing so much so that my belief is when you awaken the human spirit in the human being, then all you want to do is give. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest is Jesse Torres. What I love about this conversation is the trajectory from early childhood darkness to the bright light of self-love, self-compassion, and kindness that comes from digging into and doing the deep healing work. Listen for Jesse's commitment, passion, purpose, and impact. You'll hear the loving sound of spirit and kindness. And it's all right here, right now, in the Trauma Hiders Club. Jesse, I am so glad you're here. Likewise, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been a little while since we connected, but we did it and we're here. And I'm really looking forward to sharing who we are together and highlighting your experience in the world and the brilliant, caring, loving person that you are. Thank you so much. Yeah. Super excited. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take you back a little bit to your family if you're okay with that like your yeah your like your childhood family okay like who was in the house when you were i don't know six years old it would be my parents my mom my dad and my older brother and do you have any do you have a younger brother i do but he didn't come around till i was like 12. okay okay so eventually there were five of you four of you for quite a while and then eventually five if there was, let's say, for fun or not for fun, I don't know. Let's say if your family and the setting, you were on TV, would it be a sitcom? Would it be a, going back to when you were a kid, would it be mm-hmm. a drama? Would it be a soap opera? Would it be a cartoon? Oh my goodness. I'd say, and I kind of equate soap opera and drama together. Yeah. So I would say one of those, yeah. Soap opera and drama. Mm -hmm. And 
would it be for who would watch it? Would it be like, I don't know, I'm a mom at night, like my kids are already in bed. I don't want anybody near me. Is that your viewing audience? Is it a family? Is it a guy hmm. show? No, it would probably be a woman's show because women kind of get connected to that. Um, that's what I would imagine a housewife, maybe even a single woman. I mean, I could see men getting connected to it because of, again, the ups and downs and because it does include male energy and male roles. But I would imagine it would be more a, a woman thing. Okay. And if there's a show today that people are watching or talking about, what would be similar? That's a really hard question because I don't really watch TV. Okay. So I don't really know what shows are out there. Yeah. Yeah. That I, would be comparable. That's funny because you could have answered anything. Um, I can't say I don't watch TV. I watch what I watch um, streaming it, but we don't even have cable anymore. I mean, like fancy cable. Right. Yeah. yeah. We got the basic stuff so that we can have a TV. But yeah. So you could have named anything. Uh, you could have even said Game of Thrones because I watched a little bit and had it on the in the background. Have you ever watched it? Mm -mm. Yeah, I couldn't get very far into Game of Thrones. Really? I have, I've yeah, heard people that were hooked on it like crazy, but I, I, was, I haven't. Most, yeah, most of the viewing public was hooked on it. Uh, my germaphobe self couldn't handle the, I don't know if they were medieval. I guess so. Just the filth. <laughs> and the savage, savage kind of. The savagery. Yeah. And yeah. also like there's a lot of violence and yeah, yeah. this is actually, I'm just going to throw this in here as long as it's yeah. my podcast. <laughs> you can do that. You know, it, it's interesting. I, as a kid, well, I would say like tween and on, I loved scary movies, loved them. Like it was my favorite genre. And I was even okay with violence in movies and shows and since I would say like over the past six or seven years, since really going deep into trauma, I cannot handle it. I have a feeling that I was like playing this game of as a kid, I can handle most anything. Plus, I was really good at compartmentalizing my feelings. So and it was just another way for me to compartmentalize while watching shit that was actually scary and horrifying. Just a little aside there. We'll talk about me. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if it softens if it softened an experience you were having. Yeah. I mean, maybe so, or normalized. Yeah. Not sure. That's okay. Funny. Interestingly similar. So initially those were not things that I would ever, like I was terrified and I would not. And then when I got into my teen years, I wanted to break myself out of it. So I would mm. purposely go watch, you know, Halloween or yeah. Friday the 13th or whatever. And I hated it. I really did. But I got I, I like forced myself and then I got intrigued by it. And now I, I can't stand it. Can't do it. I can stand it. No. Yeah, I can't. OK, so we have a sense of the show. Tell me who would be the central character of the show? Well, I think any of us could be. But I, I, I would definitely think if, if I'm talking from me now, looking mm -hmm. back. Yeah, it would be me. Oh, it would be you. Yeah. And what would we know about you? What would we know about the music you love, the friendships you have, the books you like, or if you like books, um, if you like school, like, what would we know about you? Um, you probably wouldn't know any of those things because I didn't know any of those things. Mm. Um, you would know that I was uh, shy. I was an introvert. I was um, a good girl. <laughs> And I was hypervigilant mm. a lot. 
very scared, Hmm. didn't have many friends, and hung on the coattails of my older brother. So when I think of hypervigilance, I think of we become hypervigilant at cause, right? That's the effect. Did you have experiences in your life at that point that caused you to be on high alert? Yes. Um, My dad would sneak into my room at night. Mm, Got it. My mom would be like in a drone state. Mm, Like in her life or at night? In her life. In our life. Yeah. While I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like, just sort of like. On autopilot somehow. In a way that things could happen under her nose and she wouldn't see it. Uh, or or even when I tried to tell her at 16, there was still denial. Mm, I'm sorry. So, so I went through it for a couple more years Yeah, before I left at 18. I'm sorry. I can understand why you were hypervigilant. Yeah. Yeah. And I can also understand, right? Like who knows where you, like what was happening, books, all of it. Maybe you did like them. But when that becomes your thing, your- Yes, the survival- your survival. Yeah. It's hard. It's I like music. Of, right. I like songs. Yeah. You know, and I, I was very deep, like a deep person. So I connected to the words, you know, and not, you know, understanding as a little girl what was happening because you just don't know any different. Um, I adored my father. Mm-hmm. I thought I was special. Mm-hmm. So I would write lyrics to songs that I would give him. Oh, wow. Like um, one that I specifically remember, I made him sit down by the stereo and listen with me while I we read the words together. And again, all like now in hindsight, right? Inappropriately, um, it was "I Love You More Than I Can Say" by Air Supply. Oh wow! Huh? Yeah, what happens so when you hear that now? I don't yeah. have a connection to it. I don't have a charge yeah. to it. It's just kind of I have a lot of compassion for myself mm-hmm. and in that area. Yeah, um, nice. and I I just feel like it's interesting because it's been an evolution. Obviously, it sure. wasn't always this way, but now I'm able to see how beautifully confusing that must have been. But I look at it from the context of myself <clears throat> as a child, or at that point, I was probably maybe ten. You know, um, you know, seeing the beauty of her desire to have the depth of her love expressed mm. versus the inappropriate thing that's happening with her father. I, it's yeah. more about like, look at her, like, look at how deep she was. Look at how much she cared. Look at how much she valued being expressed in this way. Like, I wanted him to know how deep. And I, I remember he was a little bit flippant about it, which hurt my nervous system more than anything else. Yeah. was like, no, don't you understand that, that this is this is like my heart poured out here for you. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's how I I witness her now. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful that you got to that place. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sort of move away from this imagery around a show. How did you get to that place? The place I am now? The place of compassion for your inner child. Um, I think it's it's been a huge evolution um, of forgiveness, um, self-love, right? So I think the journey in, in my first 18 years with him, because it happened all the way until I moved out, mm. um, and I moved right into a marriage uh. um, because my um 
boyfriend at the time. And I, and we just started dating. And when I turned 18, I kind of rebelled because I was like, Oh, I'm 18. I can do whatever I want. So what time do you want me home? Dad midnight. Okay. I'll be home at two. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just like, I was just gone, gone, gone. I, I wanted to be out of the house. I remember my mom cried a lot. Like she would look at me like, why are you doing this? And mm-hmm. I remember as a young girl thinking, how do you not understand? Yeah. But I remember I had no words. I just would look at her and then I'd leave. And um, my then boyfriend brought me home late and my dad was standing on the porch and furious. Mm-hmm. And um, he looked at him and said, you get out. He looked at me and said, get in this house. And he, you know, yelled at me throughout the night. But the next day, my then boyfriend asked me, you know, what is up with your dad? And I said, what do you mean? He was mad because he brought me home late. And he said, no, that was not an angry father. Mm. That was a jealous man. Wow. And your boyfriend was 18 too? No, he's 21. Okay. Well, even so, that's really insightful. Very. Yeah. And it it opened Pandora's box for me in that moment because nobody had ever called out the elephant in the room, even when I tried to do it at 16. And it it opened me up to share probably more than he needed to hear. (laughs) But what ended up happening in in that, as I look back on it now, it's like after expressing what I had interpreted as all my dirty, Mm -hmm. he still wanted to be with me. Right. And so it that like I call it short circuit moments. Like it short circuited me to think, but wait, you know all this gross stuff and you still love me. Yeah. And I fell madly in love. Mm. And he had his own history of abuse with his mother, who was a, a raging alcoholic. Mm. And so and he had been in the military for three years. He had just come out when we met. And um so we always said that our inner children met each other, right? Mm. It's like, and we could see and have compassion for each other's situation. Yeah. And, you know, so I think he, we were friends. He came out in August. I turned 18 in September. We realized there was a thing between us in January. By June, because I now I'm in madly in love and I'm still dealing with my dad at home. So I'm trying to get out of the house. And he had gotten hired at LAPD and got a little apartment downtown LA. And I'm like, I'm moving in. And my mom, who's a devout Catholic, which no offense there, but from her perspective, my daughter's not going to be living with a man and not be married. Right. So I moved out Monday. I was married Friday. Oh my. And, you know, and I was madly in love. And I, and we thought we talked about the white picket fence, the kids, the dog, and we were going to create this life. And, um, and for the most part we did, right. What we thought is like, you know, he said, my, my kids will never see me drink. Mm -hmm. And I thought my kids will never be molested. And we thought we fixed it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so we enter this, this unity. And again, for the most part, we did build what we wanted, but there was a lot of chaos and and my dad was ha, had a big temper mm. um not as big as my then husband uh but it was familiar from from an energy standpoint right so and what he learned with his mother was you address each other in rage in insults and mm. condemnation like she called him a loser every day you know and and so 
it was way more volatile for me, but it was similar. And so it's like, oh, just take care of the man, just take care of the man. That's what I was taught, right? Yeah. And um, so it got to the point where both of our unworthiness, um, you know, collided, right? Mm. So he's like, I don't deserve you. God screwed up when he gave you to me is what mm-hmm. he would tell me. And so then my caretaker would say, no, I'm going to say married to you forever. And because he didn't believe he deserved me, he would do things to push me away, like sure. insult me, call me horrific names. And But at the same time, he was literally both polar opposites. Like he worshiped the ground I walked on. He put me on a pedestal. And then in the same aspect, the minute he was triggered or challenged or uh, his insecurities would arise, it would just be like such a verbal beatdown of, you know, horrible names, you're a whore, you're a blah, 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 all that stuff. And and in my unworthiness and my shame and my dirty, I'm like, oh, I am. Right. So it just like was this whole perpetuating yeah. explosion. And um, it was um, 18 and a half years hmm. in that marriage. Wow. And um, until I, I died in every way a, a human could die. I, I, I was apathetic. I was numb. There was nothing left. I told them, I, I, there's nowhere left to stab. Mm-hmm. I, how many times you've apologized? How many times I've forgiven? I got nothing. I, I mm-hmm. literally felt nothing. And I, and I loved him. Like I always equate it to Titanic love. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when, um, Leo puts her in the boat. He says, go, I got a boat on the other side. And she's yeah. going on the boat. She's looking up at him. She can't take it. She jumps back on the ship. I'm like, that's the kind of love I had for this man. Wow. And in a moment where he was begging and pleading and just saying, you know, I was on suicide hotline because I already told him I was done and I was on suicide hotline. I don't know what to do. And I remember searching in all of my being for one aspect and I thought there's nothing. And I just Mm. said, I looked at him and I said, you can't die. You have children. Mm. And I walked away where before there was other circumstances in the marriage where he said he wanted to kill himself for hurting me and and I would forgive no 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 it's going to be okay it's going to be okay in this moment there was nothing and mm-hmm. I even felt a little bit cold I was like oh whoa like I there's I have not, I can't do that I know I'm dead here mm. I um and and so that that started my journey um I was 38 at the time I'm 56 now and um you know I I didn't know who I was. I was everything I needed to be to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was clueless. I didn't even know how to drive out of my own city at the time. I'm like, I had to buy a Thomas guide back then. That quest was just starting, (laughs) you know, um, that created my, my insatiable hunger to understand human beings. Like I, I started reading books I would never read before. I started, you know, going to workshops, seminars, um, you know, I was in therapy. I just, I, I needed to understand. I wanted to know why my father did what he did, why my mom mm-hmm. ignored it, mm-hmm. husband did what he did and why I allowed it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just was an unsatiable hunger now to understand. And the evolution of that has been, you know, uh, becoming a coach via my therapist instruction, like, like you should be a coach. And I said, I want to do what you do. Like, I mm-hmm. want to help people with this stuff. Like, but that's a lot of school and that's a lot of time. <laughs> right. And she said, you used to be a coach. And this is like back in 2004 or five. Wow. And coaching wasn't as big. Right. So I'm like, what do you mean a soccer coach? Like, I had no idea what she meant. And I started to look into it. And then I got into Coaches Training Institute and got certified. And then I, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and was like lit up on fire. And I'm like, I want to work here. So then I mm. worked for Tony for seven years. And then um, 
and then the unfolding of me. I've I've also worked with you know uh, shamans. I've gone to India and mm. became a meditation instructor. I went to Heart Math, became a trainer. So I just like I've just inundated myself yeah. with all of it. But honestly, out of all of that, and, and now as I look at it from a, a real like almost like spiritual place, like I understand my human Jesse, and I and I I connect to my spiritual place, and I'm like wow, like nothing has taught me like my journey. Nothing has right? taught me like all of the pitfalls, all of the pain, all of the people that showed up to help me wake up to forgiveness, even though I'm hurting, even though I'm in suffering. One of the things I didn't share is that when I was married, when I was 28 years old, my older brother, who was my only safety in my upbringing, uh, mm-hmm. was murdered. And that was devastating because I'm like, I have no one in the in a year before that, my husband's sister committed suicide. Mm. A year after uh, his partner and LAPD put on a John Wayne movie when he got home and had an aneurysm and died. Mm-hmm. And a year later, his uncle, who was 6'4 or 6'6, worked on the Puget Sound in Washington on the shipyard. Those big, huge metal balls with a hook on him fell right yeah. on his head. Like oh. total flu. So absolutely insane, right? And so... When that, all that happened with my brother, I totally turned my back on faith. I hated God. I would flip God off. I'm like, how dare you? I don't even know if you exist. What if you don't? Yeah. And if you do, I hate you for taking my brother, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward, um, I've gone through this entire journey of my own awakening, my own like understanding of God's perfection. Um, November, uh, this past November 2021, my little brother was murdered. And... You know, I got to the point where I was like, no, like, I'm like you know, I, I thought I took all the uppercuts in my life. I mean, I, I didn't anticipate that there weren't going to be still challenges in life, but not that. Yeah. Right. And um, thank God that in that tragedy, I was able to lean in to my faith, to my belief in God's design and um, the perfection of it all. And that, you know, this depth of sorrow and grief is in me, but I know that he's better and I know that he's not suffering and I know that he's in a beautiful place. And so I've called forward another level now Mm -hmm. of like, okay, God, if you're taking both my brothers, what do you want with me? Yeah. Like, how do I now eat my own medicine, which is literally what this called to. It's like all, all of the training was for me to be able to navigate this moment yeah. in absolute like gut-wrenching pain and navigating detectives and, you know, baby mamas and like new kids that are my nieces that I didn't know existed. And mm. I mean, just so many things because my little brother was 15 when my older brother was born or killed and he idolized him. And so from that moment, he would get into trouble and he'd be, you know, doing all these things in and out of prison. And at the stage that he was killed, he was doing the best he ever had. He was taking his little daughters to school. He was helping them with homework. He was he even opened up a business like there was so much like, no, like this is we were going to talk on stage together, you know. So it did bring me to practice what I preach. Yeah. And to find the beauty, the light in all the darkness Mm -hmm. to seek purpose in the pain. Cause I don't believe God wastes the pain. I believe we do if we choose to. 
So even in, in my depths of sorrow and crying, I was witness to my family showing up in a way that I'd never experienced. I was witness to people posting on Instagram how he changed their lives mm. and witness to three of his oldest daughters who didn't know each other now meeting and loving each other like they've known each other their whole lives. You know, and and so there, there's always light in the dark. We just have to seek it. Right. And so I can be sobbing in pain and still be witness to these beautiful, brilliant moments of light. And and that's what I, I'm here to help people with that their their trauma, even though I'm so sorry, right, for the pain, sure. that there's there's a beautiful part of you that got back up. And if we look at the light that is available to us by recognizing and honoring what that darkness awoke versus what that darkness took from you, you will see God's plan. Hmm. You will see that like if, if I can think back to when I was, I, I used to build traps to warn me when my dad was coming hmm. and, you know, it didn't stop him hardly ever, but it made me feel better somehow to to know. And I can look at this little girl who was really creative, who was really resourceful, yeah. who was really brave. And and if I could hear God's whisper in that moment, right? He could say, like, Jesse, I know this really sucks right now, but if you knew why I need you to build resilience and courage and creativity, you would understand. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when I went through my divorce, I needed to be creative. I needed to be resourceful. I knew nothing of what the world and what to do. And so I'm like, oh, now now I'm able to witness the divine choreography of all of it. And I'm in gratitude for my my ex-husband, my father, my all of it. And, and I only sit in that gratitude because it's awakened me to want to serve humanity mm. at the depth of the level that I want, all because of I understand the suffering of the human experience. And what I now know is that pain is part of life, but suffering is not. It's optional. It's it's yep. it's a choice. Yes. And if I can help people have their trauma and alchemize it into what's available as beautiful, then we can release the suffering that the human beings are experiencing so much so that my belief is when you awaken the human spirit and the human being, then all you want to do is give. All you want to do is give back to others. And we need each other, right? We've moved COVID like really shocked the world in like separating us and and not allowing us to have connection, human connection, human hug, or to even see our loved ones in the hospital. Like, wow, like if that wasn't an indication of how much we need each other, how much we need physical touch, how much we need tenderness, like this is a wake up call, you know? And, and to if we can come back to that knowingness, then we can show up and serve each other and see each other through the lenses of love. We can't do it if we're in inner judgment or inner conflict with uh, attachment to our trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang, girl. <laughs> that's, such, <laughs> that's the brilliance I have right now. So extraordinary how y- just like suffering is a choice. You had a choice in all of this and you chose the light. You had lots and lots of opportunity to be in the darkness and to choose darkness, right? And you chose, you chose light. I want to acknowledge, um, actually you've, you've acknowledged it. I just want to also, um, (laughs) let you know that I see your creative 
brave, courageous inner child. And I am delighted by her. And I'm in awe of the grown woman, evolved woman that you are today. Really, it's often that I connect with people who have had significant trauma and they choose to look at the resilience as God doesn't give us more than we can handle. That I don't hear you saying that. And in fact, like my inner 10-year-old self wants to say to someone who says something like that to like really fuck off. But I don't hear you saying that. I what I hear in you is a is your adult perspective that's giving your inner child and all of who you were and who you are along the way such love and such compassion that you're not you're not like glossing over the 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 hard work and the commitment and the sacrifice and the courage and the bravery and all of what it takes to have that compassion and that love you're a radiant soul really beautiful thank you thank you so much thank you yeah yeah i'll I'll share that you know it, it definitely at the stage of the game where when i'm able to see through the lenses of love for every human being even in their darkest moment and those are the lenses i now wear when i'm working with people i have to stop and and remind myself right like that this isn't i i'm now here but that's not where i was Right. Like I, there was so much that I would condemn about myself. I would mm-hmm. I, like my inner five-year-old, I would like judge her and, and like, why didn't you kick or scream or pee yeah. yourself or spit on him or bite right. him? Or like, you didn't do enough. How did you bring this on? Like, that's how I was for so long, which kept me in that, you know, uh, self beat up and, and, and self-hatred, you know, yeah. and, and so it was through working through all of that and, and being able to like, oh, and, and it was my therapist actually that said, you know, like I had a five-year-old niece at the time and he's like, you know, look at her, like, would you judge her like that? And I'm like, oh no, of course not. You know, and right. like, well, you're, right? and I was like, oh my God, like, that's what we do. You know right. what I mean? It's just like, or we blame the other and we're the victim, right? right? Or, or then we're the victim of ourselves or whatever, right? The victim mentality is kind of like woven in the trauma or in the tragedy. And not to say that there aren't victims in, in the situation. However, we we take that as our now label right. and, and how we show up in the world. And so what happens is energetically, we attract more victimizers, mm-hmm. you know, because that's already our 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 beam of light that we're emitting to the world. And so it's like, okay, come on in because this is, I believe I'm I'm here to be victimized. So victimize me all versus seeing the other story. It's kind of like Tony Robbins says and other coaches too, they say, you know, your past doesn't equal the future. Right. And I'm like, yes, it does. It absolutely (laughs) can. It's just, we're not getting the right story. We're looking at the pain and what was inflicted and what evolved from the pain versus recognizing the beautiful child that got back up. The one that cried herself to sleep that still showed up and shared her freaking cookie with the little kid at school. The one that still decided to get good grades. The one that still decided to be, be obedient, like whatever, like we're not being shown that part. And right now in the coaching world, I think what's happening is 
it's so big and so rampant now that there's lots of tools to help us with mindset and how to get past limiting beliefs and whatnot. But what's happening is we're, I call it, we're, we're buying new software and we're installing it on an old OS. Yes. And so literally, so we wonder why we're glitching and why we're freezing, right? Because we got the new information. We got the tools, right? Why are we still stuck? Why are we still suffering? It's just like, because, well, I got the tool. And now what happens is it invites a deeper level of shame. Yes. Because now I know what to do, but why am I here again? Why am right. I secure? Why am Why I is afraid? Nothing Why changing? am I changing? Yeah. Exactly. Because we're not upgrading right. the OS. We need to adjust the patterns of behavior that were woven from our experiences and the meaning we gave them. And until we rewire that, we're going to keep glitching. So the tools are fantastic, but not if you're stacking it on top of, right? It's like it's like building a house on a pile of poop. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or on no foundation. Yes. Eventually it's either going to stink or it's going to fall down. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, and, and so I, I love that there's so many coaches in the world. However, we, we cannot, I, I believe we are knowing our way out of healing. Mm. Yes. And as we do that, we're, we, we just have more cause to beat ourselves up and continue the neural pathways of the pattern. And it gives us in this like gas break, gas break, gas break throughout our life. Yeah, it is so true. And, and it, yeah, it doesn't help us evolve. No, that is that. Thank you for pointing to that. That is exactly it. And on top of it all, when we get these new tools, these new resources, these new gadgets, and we make this big investment, sometimes we think that's enough that we made the, we wrote the check. Right. We right. Wrote, I wrote the check. I did the thing. I participate. But if we don't practice, right, even, first of all, it's got to be the right thing, the right tool, resource, gadget. Right. But right. we can't we can't even do that until we fix. Right. Just like the, just like you've said, until we fix those inner stories, until we mm-hmm. reprogram those inner stories, until we make peace with how we even got there. So well, and here's how I see it. Like my outcome is to help you see the unseen, mm-hmm. so that you never unsee it. That's right, right? Because it's not we're not fixing. We're just uh, just let's just come down like like a um, Scrooge, right? Yeah, come down to your past with me, and let's look. And I say with parental eyes, mm-hmm. like see your inner child because it's super sensitive because we don't want to re-injure. Right. right. Sometimes when people go back to their big traumatic moment, they re-injure, they relive it again. And that hurts. Yeah. That's, that's not what we're doing here. Right. We're going back with parental lenses in separation. Right. Like there's that that you're now in consciousness and conscious awareness. Let's just be witness. And instead of seeing how much pain you went through, look at the, the courage in those that little kid's eyes. Look at, yeah. you know, like and, and fall in love. Right. Fall in love. With what else is there so that you never unsee that. So now when you're in, you know, your daily lives and new challenges come, the old pattern of victim is so much harder because it's it's unco- more uncomfortable now because mm-hmm. you're witness to the other side. So you have yeah. a new reference of that abuse. Right. And, and I personally believe that if we can take our pain and alchemize it to purpose and purpose can be what I'm doing, which I want to help affect the world, or it could be 
My purpose is to show up in kindness and generosity with the Starbucks lady, with the grocery store, mm-hmm. with my neighbor. If we see that and we in, in our darkest moments can still show up in light that we can affect change in the world and then all of our pain was worth it from the context of, oh, even in that I get to show up this way and I get to be that model for other people that mm-hmm. they don't have to live in their suffering. And I'll tell you this, what woke me up because I was praying that somebody would blow the red light and take me out because I, mm. I suicide wasn't an option because of my children. I, I was just like, I can't do that. But I was just willing that somebody would just take me out because, or I was willing that someone would take him out, which then mm-hmm. I had massive shame and guilt about. Yeah. Right. And, but I thought, well, if I was the widow, that would be okay. Cause then mm-hmm. I, you know, then nobody would look at me bad. Right. And then divorce just wasn't an option. And what got, what triggered me to awaken. And I really want to be clear about this because such a big thing that I want the world to know is that I I ended up taking a course, a college course, which was really hard because I was very kept in my marriage, but I went and I did it. And the story of the course is whatever I flunked, but I ended up coming back, whatever. But, but the people in the class, I got to audit the class. So basically my, my husband at the time broke his leg and I was at the hospital in the morning at noon at, at night. And I ended up flunking a 10 chapter quiz. Mm. The teacher at the time told me, he said he understood stuff was going on at home. And he said, look, I won't fail you if I'll give you an incomplete, if you promise to take the course again next semester. And I was like, oh my God, yes. Because me, I'm not the good girl. I get good grades. You know, yeah. I, this is this was devastating to me. It was the first thing I'd ever done for me. And I flunked. And, you know, so he allowed me to audit the class and the class was emergency medicine. I was considering being a firefighter, right? I'm like, mm. I want to help people. How can I help people? And I had kind of lived behind the yellow tape, I had gone on police ride-alongs while he was a police officer. And I knew I wasn't going to throw anybody up against the wall, but Hey, what about firefighting? At least I can help. Right. So I went to an emergency medicine course and he allowed me to audit the class. And the course is half lecture and then half scenarios. And so because I was auditing, I got to be the patient. And so the teacher would put me under stairwells or in the bathroom in, in, in different difficult situations that they had to respond to a 911 call basically. Which for me was so, because I was like very kept. So I looked down at the ground. I didn't make eye contact with you. And now I'm pe- have people strapping me to a gurney. Mm, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh my God, if my husband saw this, I'd be dead, right? So what happened is I started taking pictures. And this is back in 2003. So like, it, it wasn't as easy to make video montages like it is now. Right. I had to take physical pictures and put them in a movie. And so I had done that for them. And when they're pulling me out of bushes and pulling leaves out of my hair, they're like thanking me and like, oh, this is helping us learn. And these people showed me kindness. Mm. They all pulled together and bought me a Best Buy card as a gift. And it seems so little. But to me, my dad had told me, Jesse, people, you know, don't trust anybody because Mm. they they want to get in your pants. Mm. Right. This is what he was doing. Even my cousins, he wouldn't trust. Mm. My husband told me, Jesse, you know, people subconsciously want to break up a good thing. So don't talk about our marriage to mm. anybody. And so I never trusted. I lived in, um, and and yes. if, some, if I smiled at someone, then my husband would be enraged. So I'm just like, just look down. Don't. And so when these people were kind to me, and I didn't know to call it kindness at the time, I just know that they were giving me something and didn't expect anything in return. And I, I didn't understand. And that was another short circuit moment for me. I was like, I don't know what this is. Mm. But I know when I'm in this class, I've I've come alive. And when I go home, I'm dead. 
Yeah. And and I'm like, I don't know what this feeling is, but if this feeling is available, then life is worth living. Hmm. And that gave me the courage to get out of my situation. And so I want like your audience to know we all have the power to shift the trajectory of someone's life because you never know what bombs are exploding in their world. I was very good at making us look like the pretty family, just mm-hmm. like my mom did. People would come to us for marital advice. Oh, right. And I just put redo makeup, redo makeup, redo makeup, you know, and and so those people and and I wish I could find like those people will never know who they woke up. Right. Right. And we don't get to know and that's okay. But we get to show up with the belief that kindness matters, that loving someone matters, that complimenting someone. Why would we eat those words if that's how we feel? Mm -hmm. Right. Share it. Send love that that. Love is is one of the highest vibrations. It transcends all dimensions. You, we die for it. We fight for it. We kill for it. We might right. want to pay attention to it. Really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for also highlighting that part of your experience. So, Jesse, I'm curious, what are you most excited about in your world? Oh, my goodness. That's such a great question. So, and, and I'm right now in the thick of it, which I'm so excited about. Um, I am building in, in light of all of this and my brother's recent loss. I keep asking God, like, where, wh- wh- what's here for me? I thought, let me dive deep into sexual abuse. And like, I don't know if that's it. Um, and what's come, it really is building an army of angels. Mm. And what I mean by that is a, a mastermind of people that are at this space where they have succeeded in their journey, but there's something more that they want to give back to the world. They've come Mm -hmm. to that awakening. And, and so I want to create a mastermind of those minds to come together. And it's a me, we, they concept. So first we're going to check in with the individual. Where do you need to be sovereign? Do you need financial advice? Do you need marital advice? Do you have a teenager you want help with? Like where, and like, if you do the wheel of life, where are you Mm -hmm. not at a level 10? Let's support you with that. And luckily in my journey, I know a lot of coaches and I I have a lot of connections to be able to get support. So first we have individual sovereignty. Then we go to the we aspect, which is now let's bring our minds together in collaboration. What do we want to help in the world? Do we want human trafficking? Do we want domestic violence? Do we want you know, veterans, like what, what do we want to do? And for me, it's more of boots on ground, Mm -hmm. meaning not just writing a big check to a nonprofit. We might, we don't know if the child is actually getting the money, you know what I mean? Like, and no offense out there to nonprofits, but I'd rather have boots on the ground, you know, let's build a collaborative team that goes to Guatemala and helps build orphanages for the children. Um, Like where, where do we want, we come together, we make that decision. And then the, they aspect is we go out there and take action and actually go boots on ground and let's see how we can serve and how we can support. So it's really about creating that impact and making that difference in the world. And that could be, something like going to Guatemala, or it could be a group of people that just go out and do random acts of kindness, mm-hmm. right? Like, like that kind like, it doesn't, ha- I want people to really understand because kindness saved my life. Like it, it's, it's as small, it seems small, but it's gigantic, right? But it's, it, it can be as small as that, or it can be as big as human trafficking, it, whatever the individual is at their level in life that they can contribute. So, because I believe it all matters. So that's the outcome is to build that mastermind and have it keep going and, and, um, and then ultimately create leaders amongst the mastermind who now begin their own 
you know, different coalitions and collaboratives to make that happen and grow it as big as we possibly can. Really beautiful. Really beautiful. So is this the mastermind? Is this a program you're launching? It is. It is. I am building infrastructure right now. I'm getting all the pieces together. And my goal is for September 1st to to launch that. And so I'm going to start the marketing campaign and sending it out there so people can get on a waiting list um, because there it's, it is by invitation only. And the only reason I say that is because um, there just has to be certain criteria in place to be able to, to make this work because you have to have that mindset of giving back to the world. Right. And it's right. not just in words. It's in how behavior it's in it's in heart. Right. Yes. And, and so there's that interview process and that communication of, of where you are in the world. And, and I mean, I, I want everybody to join, you know what I mean? But, but there has to be um, that servant's heart that yes. is leading the charge. Yes. Especially if you want the army of angels to continue to grow, right? There's, yes. there's got to be the commitment to, I will now take my experience and I'll do it over here with this group of people. And I'll encourage my friends over there and do it with that group of people. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really Really beautiful. So we'll have a we'll have a link not only to your site, but we'll have a link specifically to Army of Angels. Along the lines of helpful and grateful and impact, what's been most helpful for you today being in the Trauma Hiders Club? You know, I'm really passionate about uh, and I think I think my little brother's loss mm. has created a deeper conviction in me. Mm-hmm. So it's thrilling to me, and I'm so grateful to you for having me, is to be able to continue to speak this message into the world yeah. and to empower people to know that if if we can trust in God's design, that it wasn't meant to take you out, whatever happened to you. It was meant to awaken you mm. to a deeper resolve, to a deeper conviction, to a deeper love for humanity, not a hate humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're battling, you know, what's crammed down our throat in the news and all over is man's inhumanity to man. And my vision is to help demonstrate that there's still more good than bad, that there's still more light than dark. And if you can spark that in you by just doing one act of kindness today, you have empowered another fellow human being. Mm -hmm. So being here with you and and speaking into this, it just fuels my energy to keep speaking this and keep saying it so that we can come together yeah. and unite versus separate and and stop listening to the dogma out there of of what you know is is being crammed down our throats and instead reconnect to your own sovereignty. Reconnect because if you are wanting more light in the world, trust that we are out there. You're not alone. It feels like you're alone, but you're not alone. That's right. We're out there and we're wanting to find each other. So I'm honored and I'm grateful to you to help, you know, bring here and and to speak to your audience. And and so I'm honored to do so. And and I appreciate it. And so for me, it's just a, a, I feel, you know, a a sense of um, passion and charge and and gratitude to be able to remind society, remind each other that we are all out there seeking each other. That's right. I love that you've been here. Your message, who you be is such a gift. And and what's been most helpful for me today being in the Trauma Hiders Club is that you showed up 
And you reminded me of my own sovereignty, which, by the way, is part of my essence. And sometimes we dull our essence. And you have reminded me of who I am. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.